0: Here's the danger. When you decide that it's time to put your business up for sale, that you want to move on to the next thing, you start to disengage mentally with the business. People become more relaxed. The performance of the business starts to change, and this will have a material impact on the value. The moment the decision is made, you now have to act quickly to actually package it up, find the buyer, get your deal done, execute that deal, and leave. You wanna do it as quickly as possible to preserve the value that's there.
1: Welcome to Your Retirement Planning Simplified with your host, Joseph Curry, a CFP professional who is going to help you learn how to simplify your retirement planning. This podcast is all about helping you answer those burning questions you've had about your retirement possibilities and making a plan to get there Through retirement planning education, resources and expert interviews, Joe will help you get clear on your retirement vision, how to simplify it and what you'll need specifically to achieve or maintain your financial freedom. Ready to live out your retirement dreams and create future opportunities for the ones you love? Then let's get started.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. I'm Joe Curry, along with my co-host, Lindsay Wilson. How are you today, Lindsay?
0: I'm good, Joe. How are you?
2: I'm good, thanks. We're uh, starting to get pretty close to Christmas, so any big plans coming up?
0: Well, I am actually going out to visit my best friend and her family in Vancouver. I've never been there, so I'm really looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, you're going to love it. It's going to be awesome, Yeah, especially this time of year. How about you, Joe? Well, we have our team Christmas party tomorrow, so that should be fun. Looking forward to getting everybody together and the kids can be skating on the ice.
0: Playing some hockey. Having
2: some fun together, which should be nice. And then we'll get into some different family gatherings and Christmas parties coming up. So nice, there'll be lots going on in the next couple of weeks. It's always a super busy time. Big time. Exactly. So today on our show, we had David Barnett, and I'll let you give the bio in a second. This is a show that I had a lot of fun doing because I like talking about the entrepreneurship side of things the businesses. But we do get a lot of clients who come here after they've sold a business or they're planning to sell a business soon. And obviously, we're taking on the retirement planning piece of things. But sometimes we run into some sort of surprises about what the business value actually is when someone goes to sell. And additionally, once someone's already sold, we can't go back and change anything. It is what it is. So I wanted to get some good information about ways people could be enhancing the value of their business, mistakes business owners are making when they're getting ready to sell or when they go to sell. So David, he's the perfect person to have a conversation around these things with.
0: I think that dovetails nicely with his bio. So a bit about David. He's been working with small and medium-sized businesses for over 20 years and has helped entrepreneurs buy and sell them. He's also helped
1: them grow and has helped people finance them. He's also the author of eight books about small business transactions and local investing, And he's the host of a YouTube channel with hundreds of videos
0: about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses, and can be found
1: anytime at his blog site, www.DavidCBarnett.com, which of course will be in the show notes.
2: All right. Yeah. So David is definitely an expert in this space, advising small and medium-sized businesses when it comes to exiting and increasing value and the entire process, really. So without any further ado, let's jump into the show. Hey, David. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks for inviting me on. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on because this show is Retirement Planning Simplified, and we talk about a lot of retirement-related things, but I'm pretty passionate also about entrepreneurship and building businesses. And a lot of the people who find us in our financial planning firm are finding us right before or right after an exit from a business. And When we're going to create the best retirement life we can for clients. If they are business owners, we want to make sure they're maximizing the value of their business. And that's where I know you can help our listeners. Does that sound right? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, I've been working with small businesses since the 90s, but helping people buy and sell them since about 2008. So I've been in this field for quite a bit. Yeah.
2: Okay. So you have some experience. That's great. I'm excited for our listeners to kind of hear what you have to say. So today we're going to be talking about some assumptions and mistakes business owners make when selling a business. Okay. With that, we'll jump right in and just get your take on what's the biggest mistake or maybe the biggest few mistakes that you see business owners make when they're going to sell their business.
0: Yeah. So the number one beyond everything else is assuming that selling a business is like selling a work of art. Here's what I mean by that is if you happen to own a Picasso and you wanna list it for sale on Kijiji, for example, you say, hmm, I don't know what people might pay for it, so I'll put the price really high, I can always bring it down later. And when it comes to selling a business, this is a mistake, and here's why. When you're selling a business, what you're selling is a cash flow. And it's a risky cash flow compared to other kinds of cash flows that people can invest in, like government bonds or a basket of stocks from the stock market, a mutual fund, for example. So when you decide to sell your business, you're going to be entering into a marketplace where there are people that may already be looking for a business like yours. Those people, the informed buyers, they're the best buyers because they understand the process. They know what they're looking for. And they also know what it's going to take to do a deal. So they probably have some money. They have good credit. They have maybe some experience in the industry that's leading them to look for a business like yours and they are going to qualify with a banker who's gonna help them out with financing potentially. So this buyer, they understand the industry and they have an idea already of what a business of a certain size with a certain cash flow should be priced at. And so if you enter the market and you're asking for 50 or 80 or 100% more than what your business is really worth and you might chuckle, but I see it every day, Joe. Sure. Where businesses are offered for sale for way more than they're worth. That informed, educated buyer is going to look at that and they're going to think that you don't know what you're doing. And they're going to think, if I engage with this person at this moment and I make them a realistic offer, they're going to think I'm lowballing them. So that wise, capable buyer is not going to engage with you. Right. And what's going to happen instead is you're going to meet people who also don't know what they're doing. And those people could even agree to a full price offer with you. And then they're going to get to the bank and the banker is going to explain to them why the deal doesn't cash flow and they can't afford it. And the deal will fall apart. It just won't close. Unfortunately, I've met many people over the years who have gone into the market trying to sell their business without any kind of real qualified advice about what the business is really worth. And they spend their time. They talk with these people that they meet. They try to put deals together and they don't get any traction. And here's the danger. When you decide that it's time to put your business up for sale, you are being motivated by different criteria. It might be something in your personal life or a desire to retire, for example. When you make the decision that you want to move on to the next thing, you start to disengage mentally with the business. You start to check out. Your foot comes off the gas. There's all kinds of analogies we can use. And when that change happens in the owner, there are trickle-down effects in the business. So the way that you hold your employees to account or the way that you maybe used to return people's phone calls even into the evening, and you start to back off on some of this activity, which really pushed the limits of what your business was able to do, things start to become more relaxed. Your attitude about the business will start to rub off on employees, and they in turn will start to have an effect on the way customers interact with the business. And this is when I'll typically see a curve downward. So people become more relaxed, the performance of the business starts to change, and this will have a material impact on the value. When people make the decision, I'm going to sell my business, the moment the decision is made, you now have to act quickly to actually package it up, find the buyer, get your deal done, execute that deal, and leave. You want to do it as quickly as possible to preserve the value that's there. And so that would be the number one thing, is the incorrect price. Followed up quickly by not having an understanding of realistic terms of sale. You know, businesses are typically not sold on a cash basis, meaning that when it comes time to sell the business, and I'm talking about profitable established businesses, which have any amount of what we call goodwill. Right. It's really rare for a buyer to show up and write a check. In almost every situation, there's some degree of terms of payment, meaning you might get 60, 70, 80% of the money on closing which could be a combination of the buyer and bank's money, but then you will have to hang on and be paid over time to a certain degree. That's normal. And this is another case where people get led astray. If they don't understand that this is normal, they can sometimes receive a perfectly good offer and reject
2: it just because they don't know what a good offer looks like. Now well, it makes perfect sense. And just kind of hearing you talk about that kind of starting high and how that just leads into this snowball effect on value. I mean, part of the reason that we were just talking before we jumped on here that I recently got my uh, SEPA designation Certified Exit Planning Advisor. And a big part of why I wanted to do that was because I've had multiple clients come in and some clients I've worked with for a few years before they've gone to sell their business, but they've told me they're getting ready to sell. We're getting this number minimum. I know for sure. So then we start building that into planning. And three years later, they're just like, I just got to get out. I'll take anything. And they're taking you know, maybe 25% of that original number, which you can imagine what that does to a retirement plan. Yeah, I can imagine. And that's definitely something that I've seen in here just with my clients in general. So you know, I appreciate you sharing some of the details of that and why that happens. So those are a couple of the big mistakes. Now, if someone's getting ready to sell their business, aside from everything you just said, what are one or two things that you wish business owners knew before they started getting ready to sell their business, look at
0: it from the buyer's point of view because the business that you own today could be producing a very healthy amount of cash flow for you. And you think, wow, this is a great business. Who wouldn't want to have all of these profits and this paycheck, et cetera? But the business that gets transferred to the buyer is not going to be like your business because the big difference is going to be that the buyer is going to have this huge debt that they've assumed in order to buy the business. And so it's not going to look or feel the same. The buyer is going to approach your business and they're going to ask themselves two questions. And the first question is going to be, what is the cash flow? And the cash flow is going to determine the price. The second question is going to be, is this cash flow going to continue under my stewardship? And to answer that question, you then start to get into a whole range of other topics. Like, are there systems in the business clearly documented? Is there any high degree of risk or reliance on a key individual, key supplier, key customer, or the seller's individual talents and training that may be difficult for me to replicate, right? And so all of those other factors get led into that second question. And if the buyer can't confidently answer yes to the second question that the cash flow will carry on under their stewardship, then they may not want to buy the business at any price or they may start to bring some of those risk factors into the negotiation. And that's going to show up in one of two different ways. It's either going to be in order for me to live with this risk, I need a better price. So they're going to use these factors to try to reduce the price or I'm ready to pay the price, but these other things scare me. So I need to share the risk with you, which means I need you, Mr. Seller or Mrs. Seller to finance a higher degree of the business price. So you're going to be getting less on closing day and the amount that you receive over time could be tied to certain caveats. I'll give you a one quick example. If you have one customer, for example, that is 30% of revenue, that's what we call customer concentration. You might be receiving an offer that says, I'm going to pay you for your business. Let's say it's a million dollars. I'm gonna give you 600,000 on closing day, and I want you to finance 400,000 of this. However, we're gonna split that debt into two different parts. We're gonna have one $200,000 debt payable with interest maybe over five years, and the other one maybe is gonna have the same terms, but it's tied to that specific client. So if the revenue from that one client drops below a threshold maybe that we set, I get to stop making payments on the second note. And so that would be an example of how somebody would share the risk back with the seller. So in that example, maybe the price, the buyer agrees that your business is worth a million dollars, but the way it's going to be paid out over time is going to be contingent upon the retention of that key account. That's just one example of the kind of stuff we get into.
2: I think that's a big thing that people forget about, right, is the mindset between the seller and the buyers is, is not the same. And I've been through that process with the business I own now. I mean, I bought this business and I originally came out as, I think you would say, a strategic buyer where I kind of had the infrastructure set up that I needed and I could take over that business and incorporate it into what I was already doing. But the business owner wanted that business to keep running, keep the staff, keep the office, everything going. So that kind of changed. The cash flow outlook, right? When you're yeah. keeping all that in there. So, you know, the purchasing price to make all that work is completely different than that more strategic buyer who can kind of roll it into to current operations. What do you think business owners are focusing too much on? And where else should they focus when it comes to increasing value in their company? And I think you're kind of touching on this stuff already, but maybe go a little bit deeper on that. Yeah. So, the biggest mismatch
0: of all is focusing on revenue versus cash flow. Right. And a lot of business owners, I think, maybe do part of the sales or have a background, or certainly maybe when they started their business, they did sales. So the point of view of a business owner is, well, if I'm going to grow this business, I'm going to sell more. But if you don't sell under the right conditions, if you don't understand precisely what the costs are in the business, you don't have good information, feedback, reporting, you could be growing the top line while not growing the bottom line at all. If you talk to anyone who is a business expert about issues relating to growth, they'll describe certain places in a business's growth where it becomes very difficult to grow the bottom line, where maybe in order to do some more business, you need to add some kind of middle manager position into the business. And then then now you've just increased the overhead, right? Yeah. So for it to make sense, we have to get beyond that place to the next sort of tier where we can start to put more of our profits down on the bottom line. That's the focus. It's got to be bottom line growth. So depending on your horizon from when you expect to want to sell the business, that should inform your decision about how you grow. If you think you might want to sell in just a couple of years, you may not want to grow into that position where you start to increase your overheads by adding, you know, middle manager type positions. And maybe what that means is to say no to potential new customers and just focus on efficiency to get more of that top line to fall to the bottom. But if you have a 10-year time horizon, It can lead to another whole set of solutions that are going to work for you. Maybe you figure I do have time to kind of get through that desert to the next oasis where we're going to start to make more money. Bottom line, the cash flow is what determines the price of the business.
2: Okay. So cash flow, obviously, you've made that very clear. So hopefully our listeners are getting that. It's not about revenue, it's about cash flow. But beyond cash flow, there's some other things that can enhance the value of a business. I guess you went at this kind of the opposite way I'm coming at it right now, but there's things like customer concentration, there's owner dependence. It could also be like vendor concentration. So there's the other areas too, right? So if someone has the business working well, they have high profit margins, cash flow is good, they know they're going to be selling in the next little while. What are some of those other areas they could be focusing on to drive some additional value to the business? I like to put it this way is that
0: you look at the cash flow, this determines what the business might be worth. And then there are things that are going to whittle away at that. It's like when you go shopping for a house. You know, A three-bedroom home in a certain neighborhood, a real estate agent could probably tell us a pretty good idea of what that house might be selling for. When you show up there, though, and you see that the roof is in need of repair or that the furnace is from the 1980s, these are things then that you realize, well, I'm going to have to take care of that right away. We need to start knocking some of the cost of doing this work off the price. Same sort of thing happens in the world of selling a business. People are going to look for the things you just mentioned, these different kinds of risks, but to go back to the house analogy, if you've been thinking of selling and you've been deferring revenue or replacement of equipment because you want to take more money out of the business and you think, well, the next owner can take care of replacing that machine or buying a new truck, a well-informed buyer is going to be examining all that kind of stuff. So if you're not keeping up with the regular maintenance on capital equipment, if you're not regularly replacing, you know, if you own 15 trucks and they're all more than eight years old instead of having a healthy mix, you know, a couple of new ones, a couple of mid-aged ones, et cetera, then any buyer is going to look at that and say, I'm going to have to fork out a bunch more money in addition to what I'm paying the seller. Yeah. That's going to also determine the price they're willing to pay. And here's the thing is like, everyone gets into the market thinking, I'm going to sell the business and then it's going to be sold. A common way that I put it when I'm talking with sellers is I'll say, getting an offer on your business that's a good offer is like winning the lottery. Closing the deal and getting paid is like winning the lottery again the following month. (laughs) You're talking about two really difficult things. And let me highlight this. There's been different studies done about the success rate of people putting businesses up for sale. And there are some statistics out there that say as many as four out of five businesses that get listed on these big business for sale websites do not sell. Yeah. So you want to have a great business you want to position it for success, but even if you find a buyer right away who makes you an offer, it may not close. And so you need to operate the business under the assumption that it will not sell. Yeah. You need to keep your eye on the ball, manage the business, focus on it as though it were not being sold, because the backup plan for anyone out there who wants to retire, who's a business owner is that if you can't sell it, you just have to run it for a few more years to take more out of it. And that's how you're going to make up this gap. And so you don't want the business to slide or lose profitability, lose cash flow, if you may have to rely on that plan B. Yeah.
2: And the interesting thing I think is when people go through the planning and they start doing these things like policies and procedures and getting the right team in place it makes it easier for them to run the business yeah, and they can become more profitable and now the business is worth more. But I think in some cases, and you probably know this better than I would, but I think I've seen it though, where now the business owners are saying, well, you know what? This is actually kind of uh, nice the way things are running right now. I don't know if I want to sell anymore. It happens. And if you can get
0: processes in place where you can better delegate and then have systems of information to know that the delegated things are being done correctly and the customers are being served and everything, Yeah. The most lucrative exit from a business is not a change of ownership. It's just you going out the door. Like, okay, I've exited now. I don't come here every day, but I still own it. Think about that for a minute. More and more, I'm meeting business owners who, because of technology that exists today, can go to Florida for the winter and continue to own and manage their business through their computer and telephone and all that kind of stuff. And again, it comes back to personal motivations. Yeah. It's either you are unwilling to do that, you are unable to do that, or some other reason, you know, physical issue, like you're ill or something like that, where you need to sell. If you can pull it off, that's the most lucrative
2: exit. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So we'll end it there. A couple of things, we're going to have David back on for another episode because we want to talk some more things about exiting from the business. Also, though, before we do that, David is a wealth of knowledge. So can you share with our listeners, David, where can they find you? How can you help? What do you have going on? Yeah, absolutely. So thanks, Joe. I have a blog site, davidcbarnett.com. It's
0: where I post all of the content that I create. There's information there, videos, etc. And speaking of videos, I've got a YouTube channel with over 600 videos all about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized business. All that content's for free and the audio is put onto a podcast feed too. So if you go to my blog site or if you just go to YouTube or your podcast
2: app and just put in David Barnett's small business, you'll find me. Perfect. Well, thanks for joining us today, David. I'm sure our listeners got a lot out of this and I'm excited to have you back on again soon. Awesome, thanks for having me.
0: This has been a lot of fun.
1: Investment services are provided through Matthews & Associates Investments of Aligned Capital Partners Incorporated an approved trade name of Aligned Capital Partners, Inc., ACPI. Only investment-related products and services are offered through ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI and covered by the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Tax planning, financial planning, and insurance services are provided through Matthews & Associates. Matthews & Associates is an independent company separate and distinct from ACPI Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI. Matthews & Associates are not licensed tax professionals, and you should consult with your tax advisor before acting on any recommendations. Thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. Be sure to tune back in for the next episode. And until then, we're here to help you simplify and succeed in your retirement planning.